Good day to you. My name is James Langridge, and I am the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. And I am once again delighted to bring you another podcast today with some absolutely exceptional guests on the phone um, who have dialed in to take time out of their days to talk to us. Uh, we have Jody Hopperton, Sharon Amesqua, and Edward Fitzpatrick on the line. Um, Jody, would you take a second just to introduce yourself, please? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I am a fellow Brit and I've been in Los Angeles for five years. I run a business where I bring European investors and business leaders over here to learn about innovation and also to forge relationships here. And I've recently written a book called Los Angeles Reinvented, which is all about how Los Angeles has become a real hub and one of the global leaders in consumer innovation. Fantastic. Can't wait to hear more about that. Sharon, would you take a second, please? Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I am an American who grew up in Florida and have lived back and forth between the UK and the US for many, many years. And my family came from Britain. I'm a good old Jones girl from Welsh long, long ago. Uh, I enjoy building businesses, particularly startup companies, and Edward and I have worked together for the last 11 years doing that between the US and the UK. Wonderful. Thank you. And Edward, we have you dialing in from the UK. We're so glad to have you on the line. Uh, please introduce yourself. Thanks very much. Great to have uh, a two, one, two and a half fellow Brits on the line <laughs> and, uh, and dialing in from the UK, so I feel very special. Um, I'm a 30-year, I guess, veteran. I, I, I've got the grey hairs to prove that uh, in the capital markets. Uh, I started off as a broker. I ended up building private equity funds. I then purchased a stock exchange. I then pivoted that into an ILO exchange. And I'm just a, a guy trying to help early-stage companies just like Sharon. That's wonderful. Thank you for that, Edward. Gosh, unbelievably difficult times for business right now uh, uncertain but i think there's some light at the end of the tunnel um edward you have involvement in the stock exchange and, and business as well what are you telling your people right now when they're coming to you saying what should we be doing what is the first thing you're saying to them well i'm, I'm telling them to do basically what i'm doing which is we're, we're in unprecedented times. We don't need to labor that. Everybody knows that. But while you're in these unprecedented times and you're sitting at home, you get to reflect and think about what is important to you. And when you think about what's important to you, it's probable that that's the most important thing to a lot of other people too. And if that's the case, then what is important to you, what is important to other people, those things, those sectors, those segments, those initiatives, those products, technologies, and services that are future-proofed, uh, given what we're going through right now, are the things we should be concentrating on. Some things may never be the same again. They may change fundamentally. People are working from home. They're saying here, we're going to have to work from home until June at least. And so when people have worked from home for two and a half, three months, they're going to get used to working from home. And they're going to adapt. And, and we're good at that, we human beings. And so as we adapt, are we going to go back? And if we go back, under what guise, what structure, what, what system? And so I think we've got to think hard and take this time because I, I've enjoyed this time, to be honest. I've really enjoyed the, the possibility to spend time with the family, work from home, do different things. I'm, I'm doing things that, I've, that I haven't done for years. 
And so I'm reflecting and I'm telling them to reflect. And then let's figure out what those future, future proof businesses are and let's bet on those. Couldn't agree more with you. I've done more at home in these last couple of weeks than I have done in years. My wife is very happy. Um, <laughs> That's good. Sharon, um, you have your feet on the ground here in LA. You are a, a very well-known angel investor along with Edward. You, you work with a lot of small businesses. What are they asking you right now? And what advice are you giving them? Well, the interesting thing is the first question, of course, was the fear-based question. You know, are we going to make it through this time? How are we going to make it through this time? Are investors going to continue to invest? Um, what are the steps that we should be taking? And so immediately, number one, we talked about the working from home aspect, which, by the way, most startups start out working at home. So they're very, very comfortable with that. And so number one, to reduce the burn is really, really, really important. Get your burn down as low as you can get it. And that's what a lot of my companies are working on right now and I'm helping them work on. But of course, as startups, we tend to do that anyway. So it's very natural for us to try to keep our costs down. Uh, secondly, we talk to all the investors about why the businesses that we have invested in are going to make it through this, which ones are recession-proof, which ones can pivot to become more recession-proof uh, during these difficult times. Obviously, with a stimulus package that we have been lucky enough to get in this country, not received yet, but of course that has been discussed and, and approved, uh, is going to really help businesses with the forgivable loans, the grants, uh, the opportunities to keep people on the payroll, the opportunities to take care of independent contractors. This is unprecedented in, in my career in the last 35 years of doing this. So I think the opportunities are going to outpace the fears that people have. And that's what I'm beginning to see now. People are just kind of settling in, beginning to see this as the new normal and the way to work and really encouraging each other. That's what I've seen amongst the entrepreneurial community. Um, as Edward sent me at the beginning of this, uh, Shakespeare, when he was quarantined, wrote King Lear, for instance. And interestingly enough, almost once a day, people send to me companies that have been created while they were stuck in a really tough situation, such as recession or other worse situations, Spanish flu, etc. So I think our job right now is to kind of keep people calm, keep investors calm, keep entrepreneurs moving forward and helping them with each step they need to take to just put one foot forward every day and make, make some progress. Fantastic. Uh, it's certainly a time for innovation. Do you think, it's back to you, Sharon and Edward, do you think, how is this going to affect co-working spaces? Are we going to see a real shift? Because you're absolutely right. People are going to be home for, for a couple of months. People are going to get used to it. They're going to adapt to it. Is the new normal for, to allow most employees to work from home, how are we going to measure the effectiveness of working at home as opposed to actually being in an office place? Is that going to be the new normal, do we think? Sharon, I'll let you, you start that, 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 that reply. Well, it's interesting because we live in two of the worst traffic scenes on the planet, LA and London. So yep. we can speak to that really, really well. Uh, you know, what I have noticed is that I have ended up with so much extra time. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous to say because it's, a, it's an obvious statement. But the reality is we get into a pattern and we 
get, you know, we set our meetings for the day and we go to our events, wherever we're supposed to go to, to our breakfast meetings, our lunch meetings, our dinner meetings, our drinks meetings, whatever it is. And we don't really count the time that we're in the car because it's just a given in a city like LA or London. And so what I found is, oh my gosh, I actually have more time to walk down the beach, to get my hundred sit-ups in, you know, the things that I, I didn't have time to do before when I had to get to the airport two hours early to get on a plane, to go five hours to New York or eight hours or 12 hours to London. Um, so it's been very, very cathartic for me to, to end up with so much time. Like you, I think like you guys started out saying, you have had the opportunity to do so many more things at home that you never get the time to do. So I do think that people are going to enjoy it if they in fact have created an enjoyable space during this time at their homes yeah ahead, I, think that's, I think that's extremely well said john um yeah i i we we've been running some some internal tech we build a lot of fintech and we've been running some internal tech called common entry for a very long time where when people are working remotely from the office they log in and they don't mind that we're we're, mon we're not monitoring, we're not watching them, it's not a big brother thing, it's just they log in and they're working and they log out and they're not working. And, and that's been working for us, you know, because people are, have been getting used to, we, we're using a technology now that allows us all to have this, 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 as if we're in a studio, we're doing a podcast, but we're all in different locations and I'm across the pond. So it's become kind of normal for people to remotely work anyway, but I don't think we're ever going to replace, I echo all the things Sharon said, but I don't think we're ever going to replace that face-to-face -face meeting. You know, you, you still need it. Sharon knows the importance of it. She lived on an airplane for years, uh, and so as did I. And so I think that face-to-face -face meeting, that collaboration when you're together, something hums, something happens, that's going to be missed if we don't, if we don't get back to work soon. This is great. Meetings with Zoom and Skype with face-to-face -face stuff is great but you, you're really going to miss sitting in a room together and figuring out something. So there is a bridge to, 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 to cross there. I, I totally agree with you, with both of you. And uh, that's when the magic happens, especially as a person in sales as well. When you're in, 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 with, in front of someone, that's really when the opportunity to do some great work usually happens. But also, Sharon, I do agree with you. Um, LA is not an easy place to move around. And as a junior sales rep, I remember somebody saying to me, be careful not to run a star system. And I didn't understand what they meant, but they meant when you're going from one place to another and all you're doing for the entire day is you're sat in the car in traffic and it's the most unproductive way to use your time. So I absolutely love using technology to communicate, but I really do feel as soon as we can get back in front of people, the better, I think better business happens that way. Uh, better relationships are built long term. So uh, certainly, certainly see that side of things. Jody, um, you work with a lot of international executives. You bring them here into Los Angeles. What are the conversations you're having with them right now? I'm sure they're anxious to get over here and get going. What, what are you telling them? Yeah, I think internationally it's very much the same, particularly in Europe. I think there's still that real thirst to get out and get over here. But right now it's figuring out what's the new normal. So for some of the pressing questions and things we've been looking at, we've been doing Zoom conferences like everyone else. And I think whilst it's not the same as actually being in a room with someone, particularly not for that first meeting, because that's really where you start building the relationship, it's definitely helped. And, and we've seen that 
some relationships can be started in that way and a couple of partnerships are are kicking off but i also think that given that we don't know what that new normal is yet i think it, particularly in europe people are starting to cut back on the looking to the future and the innovation as to how can we can actually maintain our businesses right now so the focus has just changed a bit to be how can we be more efficient how can we be work smarter at what we're doing right now and are you telling them um what timeline do you think you're giving them right now <laughs> unfortunately i'm not a medical expert so <laughs> i'm not <laughs> sure i mean i think what we're doing you know here in the us and particularly in LA, we're a little bit behind a few of the other countries and cities. So I think everyone's very much watching what's happening, particularly in, in China and South Korea and those countries that are ahead of us and seeing how they get back to normal. But I, I just don't think anyone knows what that new normal is. I think there's a lot of things, as we've just talked about, that everyone can learn. But I, I don't think we know quite what that looks like. I mean, there's a couple of companies here and, and startups here that have just had to ramp up. I was speaking to the founder of a company called Shipsy the other day here who runs uh, kind of an e-commerce business. They, they help retailers with their e-commerce. They're effectively an arbitrage of the delivery on demand, the, the Ubers and the Postmates and the Grubhubs of the world, so that consumers can get delivery of pretty much any product or service within two hours. And of course, for them, they've been ramping up enormously because retailers want to stay open. There's smaller shops that need to be able to deliver their goods and services. The postal systems are swamped. We've seen Amazon, FedEx, UPS, they're all swamped here right now. So they've actually had to ramp up really quickly. So in some sectors, you're actually seeing an increase and an advance in the innovation that's happening and companies having to build up, which is quite incredible. Food and beverage is certainly certainly enjoying this moment that's for sure but that comes with a lot of risks of course as we've seen now with some amazon employees and whole foods employees etc but yes there are businesses that are always up this is why edward and i have always diversified our portfolios we've diversified geographies this is probably the first time in the world that we've all been dealing with the exact same problem at the exact same time and as you mentioned, obviously, some countries are ahead of us and ahead of others. Uh, so we're watching for those trends and seeing what is going to happen, what the fallout's going to be. It's going to be very interesting to see China having gone back to work this week uh, and what happens with uh, whether or not the disease surges again or whether they've really stamped it out. Uh, so very interesting. I'm interested in the answer to the question Edward asked you as we began prior to recording, and that is, having written your book about why people love LA and why people do business in LA, what have you found to be the underlying number one love and the reason people are here? There's a few, but the big one, well, the big two I'm going to say is, is lifestyle and the cost of living. I think here, because the lifestyle is so amazing, as you know, it is pretty much 72 and sunny every day. I mean, I'm talking to Europeans every day who are locked in small apartments right now, sometimes with kids and families are having to take it in turn to look after those kids. They're limited to how much time they can spend outside. Here, we've, a lot of us have got backyards. We've certainly got outdoor space until recently when the beaches were closed. We had beaches and hiking trails, and I'm sure we'll get those back so we can be outside. But that lifestyle is incredible. 
And given that that doesn't come at a massive cost, in fact, it can be cheaper here, like accommodation and expensive living is actually 50% cheaper uh, for rent and housing costs than it is in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. It makes it a really viable alternative for people. And because of that, you can attract really great talent. And because you can attract great talent, there's also been more and more investment here. So if you look sort of 10 years ago, there are only two or three funds here. Now there's, there's more than 20 and the larger funds, even if they're not based here, they've often got people traveling here or they've got offices here. So startups 10 years ago had to go to Silicon Valley to raise money or at least spend some time there. Whereas now you can get that funding in LA. So you can get the talent, you can get the funding and it's just as easy to set up here as we've seen. You don't need to travel. You can do everything via Zoom. And I think one of the biggest examples of that is Travis Kalanick. You know, he went to San Francisco to start Uber, which has until recently been enormously successful. And we'll see how that pans out. But his next business, which is another interesting one for this time, which is a virtual kitchen, it's a cloud kitchen. He started that in LA. And you're seeing that more and more that people are, are moving down here and larger companies are spending time. So there's a whole bunch of reasons, but I think a lot of it is around lifestyle, cost of living, talent. I think the weather, like you said, is, is hugely impactful as well. And I've heard that um, you have Silicon Valley and you have Silicon Beach and, and you're right. There's a lot of talent in Silicon Beach. And I think a lot of it is because the weather is so good. Uh, plus the other opportunities we have. Um, Sharon, uh, how are you seeing Silicon Beach is forever changing? I know you're heavily involved in Silicon Beach. What do you think will be the new normal coming out of this for an entrepreneur in a startup environment in the, world, in the new world that's going to come out at the end of this? What are your thoughts? Gosh, good question. Uh, I think that it has given everybody a moment to think. Like I said, people have had more time. So we, I believe, will now look at more of a global business, which Edward and I certainly have always looked at global opportunities, but many, many people, when they start their businesses here, think very locally, and then they think very statewide, and then they think very nationally, and although that's a great way to think for keeping costs down at the onset of building a company, you really have to anticipate these days, this is a, this is a global world. Um, as you can see, it, it feels like Edward's sitting in the same room as we are, and he's many, many thousands of miles away. So I think we are beginning to look at, at the world as we come up with the next new opportunities, as we build our businesses, as we expand these strategic partnership opportunities. This is just going to get better and better as we understand each other a lot more. And this is, uh, this is the pause that we've been given with this terrible uh, this terrible pandemic that's out there. It's, that's the positive thing that I see in this, that everyone has had time. I know that Edward and I have not had this much time to talk in probably 11 years of knowing each other. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a positive in that way. And I, I do think that people will think differently as they begin to build things and think globally because they've had the opportunity to stop and think about that. Do you think, um, the new normal for retail, um, is it going to move more towards a delivery service? Do you think we're going to see retail spaces disappear and people heavily rely more on online presence? 
it certainly seems that way. What are your thoughts on that, Jodie? Uh, yes and no. Yes, we're already starting to see that, right? It's one of the reasons why Amazon has been so incredibly successful and we're seeing them ramp up their delivery service and maybe there's talk of it actually launching as a standalone service. But at the same time, I think retail spaces are changing. I wouldn't say they're going to disappear. We certainly see seeing some repurposing uh, of malls into offices. Google's just taken a massive office space here in, in West LA but also we're seeing malls become much more experiential. Um, Westfield are spending a lot of time looking at turning them more into what they would call kind of town centers where you can go and do a whole bunch of things. So at Westfield in Century City here, there's not only the stores, but they've got a lot of restaurants. They've got a lot of entertainment. They're really looking at the future. There's a couple of great VR experiences there. If you go to Dreamscape, it's, it's one of the future of, entertainment experiences that you can go through it's like the future of cinema but there's also medical services there there's there's next health there's um there's forward where you can go and literally treat that as as your day-to-day -day doctor so i think we're just seeing them change and rather than just being a place where you can go to shop that you can go and do a whole bunch more things absolutely Edward, if an investor came to you today and they're itching to get out and get going, are you telling them to keep running or are you telling them to slow down and walk and take it a, a, a day at a time? What, what advice are you giving those guys right now? Uh, well, I, I try very hard to steer away from advice and I'm, I'm sure that's not the answer you wanted, but I have had a lot of people ask me that question sure. uh, already. And so, you know, and a lot of people said it in the stock market oddly, but, uh, you know, I'm not really the guy that buys into the stock market anymore. But a lot of people ask me, where's the bottom? What should I buy? And, and, I, and you know, if you're talking about a stock market investment, then a future-proof business and buy all the way down. Don't look for the bottom because it's not a game in that sense. You know, that if you, if you really like that business and you believe it's future-proof and it's undervalued, then you should buy it at that price. And if it dips, you should buy it at that price too. And if it dips, you should buy it at that price too. Uh, and, and, and get a mean average. Um, but in terms of investing in something directly, you know, it really depends on the mentality of the person because the two types of people, there aren't two types of people, but generally speaking, which you can never do, so I'm contradicting myself twice uh, in one sentence, but generally speaking, the, the two types of people will, some people are taking this as an excuse. I had an app business that, I, that I've invested in three years ago it was struggling. I could tell it was struggling. I could see from the shareholder reports and from his requests for more money, he became kind of equity dependent. So I could see he was struggling, but it was an app and it's an app that should have worked in a market like this. He used coronavirus as an excuse to close the doors. And I think that's very weak. Um, don't use it as an excuse. So some people will use it as an excuse to, to, to leave and therefore look out for the individual's traits as opposed to that business because there is no such thing as a business there's only people in business and so are they victim mentality type people that are going to use this as an excuse to fail or are they going to say wow there's a ton of opportunity here let's revamp this thing and maybe even scratch it start again but keep everybody on board and uh, and and take it to the next level so i believe that there's a ton of opportunity in the market so personally I'm investing like crazy. I'm actively looking for the oddest things you could imagine 
um, that, that if I told Sharon I was buying into, she'd probably think I was crazy because they're, they're fundamental. And I've never invested in those kind of fundamental things. I've been kind of a techie since I left the oil and gas space. So um, I, I would tell them to go with their gut and go with the individual the individual's personality and whether somebody really believes that this is an amazing opportunity, both at home with your family and in business, because it is. It's the people that move now and move fast will make fortunes. The people that sit back and put in their claim forms will lose fortunes. I couldn't agree more with you. So, so give, us, give us a little hint, Edward. What, where, where are you looking at right now on investments in, in businesses? If someone came to you with a great idea right now, what is a great idea to you right now to invest in? I look at really odd things because odd things cross my desk all the time. I always used to say um, that the, the best deal in the world crosses my desk every 10 minutes, but it crosses my desk every 10 minutes because then there's another best deal. And so I'm, it's, it's, it's hard to say what I'm, what I'm investing in because it's a feeling for me. Um, I've just invested in a, an app that will Uberize. We've, we've made that a term now. And thanks, Jody, for mentioning the, the, the new um, Uber Cloud uh, Eats business. But um, I, I've invested in a business that is, is, is going to Uberize photocopiers. And I thought that was a really clever idea. They've, they're a network of, of salesmen who are, who are photocopier salesmen. And they've put a network of these amazing machines together that are basically printing presses. They cost $150,000 and they're sitting in people's offices and they're mainly idle. And you can send a PDF to this document remotely and it will print it, both sides, one side, full color. It will bind it and spit it out the other end. And it's often more cost effective to do that for a short run and you get it locally. You're not shipping it somewhere. And so now the salesman in the photocopier salesman's got something else to add to his sales pitch and he's networking together a bunch of machines that he or they have sold to various businesses and they're now upselling them a better machine because they're saying I'll, I'll sell you this machine but I'll also make this machine money so uh, I, I, I put money into that immediately because I just saw that the network is there the answer to how you're going to market it is there and the, the, the machines are already there sitting idle so it's the Airbnb of the printing business basically i love so, that i love that i actually sorry to interrupt you but I, I that's what i do it's my business i sell office equipment so i wow. have to look into that i think you're referring to a micro press and um it's interesting that you would bring that up we'll, we'll talk we'll talk offline about that edward but it's the it's what's great there is the innovation to use an existing business model and come up with something new i have friends in the car sales industry who, uh, who again, to coin your phrase, Uberizing it, they are going to car dealerships with, who have inventory, they have used inventory, they're sitting idle, not being utilized, and they have created a bridge between car dealerships and um, higher, sorry, not car hire firms, but Uber and the Lyfts of the world, and they've given the ability for people to use those cars to rent them to then uh, move people around in the transportation industry. And so it's cr coming up with something, looking at an existing model and coming up with something new. That is what innovation is all about. That's great. Jody, I know that you have something you want to share, so I'm going to hand it off to you for a second. Sorry, um, there's another business that I think is 
absolutely genius that's actually been going for quite a while now, but has seen a massive uptick in business. And that's a company called eSalon, which is home hair dye. So as many people are stuck at home and can't get to the salon, obviously we need to get to the haircut and work out how on earth we're going to solve that. But many people can't go out and get their, their hair dyed like they used to. So I've been on a couple of Zoom calls with people wearing baseball caps so that they couldn't see their roots coming through. So eSalon has got their, they built from scratch a personalized hair dye company and all of their equipment the whole process is in their own office so it literally doesn't touch many hands it's all automated and as it's personalized you can go online you choose all the different colors you want you want to say whether you want it lighter whether you want to darker whether you want highlights but it's the most advanced company out there and they're doing tens of millions of dollars in sales right now. And it's just increasing right now. As more people are stuck at home, they're realizing that some of those basic services they get elsewhere, they now need to work out how on earth they can ship in to get home. So those, it's another example of a company that was already set up, but just seems to be doing really well right now because they were right on the, the front line of that e-commerce and delivering services to the home. So I thought that was a particularly fun one right now. Fantastic. I'm going to ask this question to the group. It's hard to predict the future, but that is being an entrepreneur. We're always looking at ways in which we can capitalize on an opportunity. And Edward, I certainly agree with you. Remaining positive right now is probably the, the best thing you can do. Um, when, uh, when things change, what are we going to see? Are we going to see a lot more innovation? Are we going to see people heavily relying on technology? Um, we talked about uh, co-working spaces maybe not being the same as before. Do you think certain parts of the market are going to blow up? Oh, well, I mean, everyone went silent because no one wants to be the, uh, the crowd killer. <laughs> Um, you know, if, 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 if something's going to blow up. But I do think things are going to blow up. I think things are going to, going to fundamentally change. I don't know if you know the, the brand Carluccio's here in the UK. It's an Italian company. It's yep. a great company. It's a great uh, bistro-type, you know, mid-range, not kind of lower-end eatery. And it went into liquidation yesterday. And, I mean, it's just maybe simply because they had an enormous amount of of stock they couldn't move it they, they didn't know how to didn't know what to deal with how to deal with it and so circumstance probably put them into liquidation or a choice save the italian business let the uk uk end go um because because the uk like in the us we've approved 80 percent i'm sorry of salaries so every Carluccio staff will get 80% of their salary paid by the government. So Carluccio says, okay, they're going to get 80% of their salary covered. It's an easier, bitter pill to swallow, put it into liquidation. So I think those decisions will get made based on the moving parts that we're seeing, which are new. Uh, wow. So I do, I do think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. It's going to surprise us. I mean, that's kind of an obvious one because they got closed, but it's quick. It's mm -hmm. too quick. They're, they're, they're not out of money right now, but they're in liquidation. Do you know what's really interesting? That I've, The restaurant business, obviously, as we've seen, is just changing phenomenally right now. But one of the things that I think has been absolutely fantastic that I've seen from a lot of local restaurants here in LA is that that inventory they're selling as produce boxes. So 
although people can't go to restaurants and they can't go to bars, a lot of restaurants have set up services where they're literally doing either pantry boxes or produce boxes and selling those to consumers because then it keeps those supply chains running. It keeps the farmers in business. It keeps everything up and running and it gives people what they need right now because don't know about you guys but it's very difficult to get um online shopping orders if you want to get a whole foods order delivered to you you have to set your alarm for midnight and that's when you book it because if you try during the day you can't get a delivery slot so i think there's been quite a lot of smart ways of thinking about businesses that have enabled them to turn around so i think edward exactly what you said earlier is about that mentality because a lot of them have been able to keep their staff on. They've been able to keep all of those supply chains that they are ready to go again once we get out of this. I mean, this is early days, obviously, we're only in what week two or three of lockdown. But if this can continue, then I think the restaurant industry can stay on its toes and can stay up and running. Yes, we all have our, our go-to places. It's such a shame that we can't be there right now. Um, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, but I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask. Um, we're seeing governments, unprecedented, step up and offer support to small businesses which and to individuals, and, and it's refreshing. It's super scary right now. Um, my question, I'm going to ask all of you individually, you know, your, your take on it. I'm going to go to you first, Edward. Is this something that's really sustainable? It's a short-term fix to a bigger problem, and we want to be positive. So how are we going to come out at the end of this um, in regards to the government support for businesses? Uh, I wish I knew the answer to that question because it, it, it's a really big, big, fundamental question. Uh, you know, our government has just ended austerity not that long ago um, and is, is constantly debating whether HS2, which is the rail link between the north and the south, should go ahead at the cost of $60 billion. Uh, pounds and the, the original quotation was 20 then it went to 40 then it went to 60 and the estimate is it probably end up at 80 and now we're 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 putting a trillion pounds into the marketplace to cover basic salaries and um and other things and businesses will be lost but i don't know if you know common cold or the flu is you know to me i always saw it when i got one as a detox it's a detox from my body there is no cure for the common cold or for the flu, and for that reason, because I need it. I need to get that, those toxins out of my system so I get a cold or a flu. And I think this global flu, I think that the rhetoric about China is not healthy uh, in terms of blame. Um, I think that a, a global flu isn't a bad thing. It's maybe a detox. And so it's great for me to see the government do this and I think, wow, that's great. You've stepped up and you've stepped up quick. I'm impressed. But you can't sustain it. You know, as business people, we know that that is not sustainable. And so how much money are we betting on this lockdown cures the problem? We know little about this, this virus. And so what happens if we get a second wave? We're going to do this again. And we see all these laws changing. It's it's. It, the balance, the, 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 we need an economist basically on this podcast because the balance of those payments and the balance of that, of that, of that economy is, is really complicated. We'll have an economist on the next one. That's a great point, Edward. I appreciate it. Sharon, being based here in Los Angeles, uh, what's your take on 
the steps that the government is taking to support business and individuals? Well, I, I feel similarly to the way that Edward does, and no surprise because we're good friends. But I want you to not misunderstand something I said earlier, which is that when my companies were talking about this fear-based piece at the onset of, of this pandemic, I said, wow, you guys, there's so much available out there. Looking at the positive side of this, this is the first time we've seen some of these available programs for early stage companies, which is where I play mainly. And early stage companies have such a difficult time getting funding. It just takes so long for them to get that funding that there aren't that many opportunities, particularly in LA. And I know as Jody is saying, you know, I lived in Silicon Valley for three years before I moved down here to LA. And there were so many, because it was such a, a mature market, quote unquote, for tech and for startups, you saw many more opportunities for funding. And so LA is just beginning to get that kind of organization because we are getting the better and better technology companies, as she said, because people, of course, would, would prefer to live here in many cases. That said, I wrote to the White House directly and said, wait a minute, you're going to do all these things for bigger companies and for employees, but remember, what happens during downturns in the marketplace is that many, many startup companies are are they're, they're filling in that gap. That's where everyone, that's the go-to. Uh, when people lose their jobs, when people, uh, by the grace of God, I think that's how we think differently in this country and many other countries, that we think about the opportunity to actually start something new when the chips are down. So I, I wrote to the White House to say, wait, where's the support for the startup companies that are going to fill that gap during this very, very difficult time um, and so I was thrilled that there actually was some focus or is some focus on helping those companies instead of, you know, allocating a billion dollars to startups, which is what I would prefer to happen <laughs> so that we can actually, you know, we actually have this organized and, and know where to get it. It's quite difficult to look at 50 different links every day and figure out where the opportunities are for startup companies or early stage companies. But I, all that to say, and to sum it up simply, I am thrilled that there is some support at the same time economically. It is definitively not sustainable. It has to be turned into programs that support those companies that are th going to actually make a difference in our economy going forward and fill that gap where we're losing, as, as Edward and Jody talked about, so many companies out there. So. Uh, it's a double-edged sword, but I am thrilled that, in fact, uh, startups are getting a look this time around. I'm, I'm thrilled that small businesses are getting some support as well. Um, Jody, uh, we never asked you, what's the name of your book? Los Angeles Reinvented. And uh, I'm sure with the downtime, are you already thinking about writing a second book? Do you know what? I'm not yet because although a lot of us do have a little bit more downtime at the same time as I was writing the book, um, I actually fell pregnant. So I had a baby a week after I finished the book who is keeping me pretty well entertained right now. So between keeping the business going, uh, attempting to launch the book, which we've had to obviously cancel all the book launch events <laughs> over the coming weeks and the big party we had planned. Um, I'm actually pretty busy right now. So, um, 
Los Angeles Reinvented still doing the all of the promotional stuff right now and, and coming on some great podcasts such as this and launching on Amazon and across other online stores is actually keeping me wholly entertained. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. We wish you every success. And there will be a time where this moment passes and we'll all come back stronger from it uh, than ever. I really believe that. We're going to wrap up now. So I just want to look to everybody just for a, a sentence or two on what people should be hoping for when we come out the end of this. Anything, anything on top of mind from you, Edward? Something brand new, something that we've never seen before. We, we in this generation have never seen this. So something brand new is going to come out of this and whatever it is, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Fantastic. Sharon? I'm excited about the fact that we are going to, I think, be more caring of others around us because this has affected every single person in the entire world for the first time ever. I, I love the fact that, that we are actually going to, I believe, be kinder and more gentle with others. I couldn't I agree whole, more. I wholly agree with that. I, I think the community side that we're seeing right now, the support we're seeing, whether it's startups supporting each other, whether it's local communities, whether it's businesses, us all facing the same challenge has shown really the best of society. And I just hope that we see that coming through. I think we'll, we'll be able to keep elements of it. And I think that will be incredible. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Sharon, that was the best answer ever. Well done. Uh, fantastic. Uh, wonderful. And, and I really appreciate that. that. And I, for me, uh, I think it's a sense of gratitude that we sometimes forget for the things that we have that are dearest to us now, rather than the wants and needs of things that we don't have. That's my take on it. My name is James Langridge. I am the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. I would just want to say thank you very much to Jody, Sharon, and Edward today for joining us on this podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you on, and there will be more to follow. And uh, once again, this is James Langridge. Thank you very much for listening.